This won't be the funniest episode I ever recorded, nor the most interesting, but this podcast could save you three, five, even $10,000. How? By following this simple advice. Never, Never ever, ever buy, buy Super Bowl, Super Bowl tickets. tickets. Watch it on TV, see it on your phone, but for God's sake, do not go in person. I just did, and I regret every minute of it. My first shot at seeing the big game in person was back in 1983. That was Super Bowl XVII. I I don't get Roman numerals. The game was being played in Los Angeles, where I lived at the time. Two hours before it began, my friend Teddy called. I'm going down to the stadium to try and buy scalpers tickets. Wanna come? I said no, so Teddy went alone. And amazingly, he got in. The ticket cost him 300 bucks. This was every cent he had in the world. Money he'd been saving for months to buy drugs. After the game, I asked him, Well, Teddy, was it worth it? I guess we'll never know. No, you know. You spent your weed money on Super Bowl tickets. You saw the game. Was it worth it? He took a long, thoughtful pause. I guess we'll never know. Teddy's in a cult now. Almost 40 years later, I was in L.A. again, and so was the Super Bowl. The Cincinnati Bengals were taking on the L.A. Rams. Maybe we should go, my wife remarked, which is her way of saying, We are going to go. Resistance is futile. Denise called a sports agent and quickly came up with two tickets. My wife knows the level of luxury I'm willing to spring for. These were not the worst seats in the house. They were the second worst. We were going to Super Bowl LVI. (laughs) Where do they get these names? The game began with America the Beautiful, sung by a six-time Grammy nominee. Then the national anthem was performed by a four-time nominee. These two women had ten Grammy nominations between them, and I'd never heard of either one. It made me wonder, how hard is it to actually get a Grammy nomination? Could I get one just by sitting here? Why couldn't the Super Bowl book an actual Grammy winner? Hillary Clinton won one, so did Alvin and the Chipmunks, and folks, so did Zach Braff. Zach Braff won a Grammy. For what? I wouldn't even give him a Grammy for Best Braff. We climbed an endless M.C. Escher-style staircase to get to our seats. We were seated in the troposphere, but not the upper troposphere. Communication satellites would occasionally whiz by our heads. At this altitude, the Bengals look like sesame seeds. The Rams look like poppy seeds. They all seem to vibrate randomly across the field like the remnants of an everything bagel on a paper plate. You couldn't see the ball and had no idea what the hell was going on. Sure, these were bad seats, but 20,000 other fans had seats just as bad. And there were another 15,000 spectators above us, in an even higher tier. For them, the players appeared subatomic. The LA Electrons were taking on the Cincinnati Quarks. Hey, this is Josh Perillo, producer for What Am I Doing Here with Mike Reese. And today's episode is brought to you by sponsor BetterHelp.com. So let me just ask you what, I mean, everybody's got goals that they 
are, just haven't gotten around to. Uh, you know, everybody says, you know, if I did this, if I did that, you know, I'd be happier. Ask yourself, what is getting in your way of achieving those goals that you keep talking about? What is getting in your way of of grasping that happiness that you feel is like just just out of reach? Well, we want you to check out betterhelp.com slash what am I doing here? I've checked it out. It is super easy to use, super user-friendly. BetterHelp will assess your needs, match you to your own licensed professional therapist, and help you figure out how to get to those goals and that happiness that you keep thinking are so close and yet so very far away. Um, Spoiler alert, they're not that far away. Um, With a little bit of help, you can achieve whatever you want, and that's what BetterHelp.com is here to do. Um, You know, they are safe and private, online, super convenient. You get to talk to a licensed therapist in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not what we're thinking of as self-help. It is professional counseling done securely, online, in your own home, on your own time. You can send a message to your counselor at any time. They get back to you with timely and thoughtful responses. You can schedule your weekly video or you could do a video or phone, either way, whichever you're more comfortable with. You don't have to sit around in in waiting rooms. You don't have to travel. You can do it on your couch. You could do it in your bedroom. You can do it wherever. Um, And, you know, BetterHelp, they want to make sure that you are matched up with the therapist that works best for you. So it's free of charge to change counselors if you need to. It's, it's, and it's obviously more affordable than offline counseling. And if you need it, financial aid is available. The service is online, so it's available for clients worldwide. You know, no matter where you are, they'll be able to help you. They've got people who are experts in every field that you could possibly imagine, depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, anger, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem. Everything's confidential, it's convenient, it's professional, it's affordable. You can check out testimonials that they post on their website every single day. And if you contact them right now, because because they are our sponsor uh, this week, betterhelp.com slash what am I doing here, they will give you 10% off your first month. Um, again, betterhelp.com slash what am I doing here. One million people have taken charge of their mental health with BetterHelp. Join them and make it one million and one. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash what am I doing here. There was a lull in the game as five enormous packing crates were wheeled onto the field. For 15 minutes, distorted noise and feedback echoed through the arena. I figured these crates contained audio equipment, and this was a sound check for the halftime show. It was only when I got home that I learned this had been the halftime show. Only a handful of attendees could see the front of those crates. Those were the stage sets where Dr. Dre, Eminem, and 50 Cent were rapping their little hearts out. It was the greatest halftime show in history, but if you were there in the stadium, you couldn't see it and you couldn't hear it. And that's why you should never, never ever, ever buy, buy Super Bowl, Super Bowl tickets. tickets. There may be 70,000 fans in attendance, but there's one billion people watching at home. They outnumber paying customers 1,400 to one. The Super Bowl is stage produced and directed towards them, not you. 
When the game ended, the Bengals fans were, of course, very sad. Not only had they lost the game, but now they had to go back to Cincinnati. It was 70 degrees and sunny in the City of Angels, and they were flying home to a blizzard in Porkopolis. That's what they call Cincinnati, Porkopolis. As for the L.A. fans, they had just won the Super Bowl in their hometown, in their team stadium. And yet, they were miserable too. Why? Because they were thinking about the only thing anyone ever thinks about in L.A. God, the traffic's going to be murder getting out of here. It was that rare sporting event where no one went home happy. Me included. I could have stayed in New York and watched the game on TV. I missed all those great commercials. I wasted my money on worthless tickets when I could have watched celebrities sell worthless cryptocurrency. Matt Damon, I'm surprised at you. Larry David, eh, not so much. When I got home to New York, my funny doorman tried to comfort me about the game. Maybe your expectations were too high. Or maybe you don't love football enough. Maybe you'd have enjoyed it if you were rooting for one of the teams. Or maybe you were too obsessed with the cost of the tickets because maybe you're a cheap bastard who travels during the holidays so you don't have to tip the staff at Christmas. Maybe you're a self-centered jerk who doesn't know the names of any of the doormen after 15 goddamn years living here. Maybe Travis had a point. My name is Trevor. But I'm not really all that hard to please. On our way out of the Super Bowl, the traffic was indeed murder. We pulled off the highway and into the parking lot of a CVS pharmacy. My wife said we needed Brillo pads, so we went shopping. The store was all out of Brillo, so we bought their cheap knockoff brand, Schmillo pads. The point is, I enjoyed this experience so much more than the Super Bowl. The store was brightly lit, the staff was warm and friendly, and the shelves were filled with cute teddy bears and roses for Valentine's Day. My bar for entertainment is not that high. But you're probably wondering about the Schmillo pads. <laughs> were they worth the price? I guess we'll never know. Hey, it's Josh Perillo, producer for What Am I Doing Here with Mike Reese. Before we continue the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. You know, a lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit into other people's expectations. But the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you instead of trying to please everybody in your life. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique and what works for someone else doesn't mean that it'll necessarily work for you. And that's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible, it focuses on progress, not perfection, and it allows you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practice knowledge and one-on-one -on -one coaching and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program 
and more than 60% of users, I mean, this is, un, it's kind of an unreal statistic, but it's true. 60% of users that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more, which is the real challenge, as we all know. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. Again, that's noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash B-L-E-A-V. Back to the show. There are other world-class sporting events you should avoid like the plague. Let's start with the World Cup. We all know that soccer is boring. There's nothing to it. You don't need padding or helmets. You don't need clubs or bats. You don't even need arms to play soccer. No arms? No problem. Anywhere you go in Europe, if there are men and alcohol, a soccer game is bound to break out. These people call soccer football because all it requires is a foot and a ball. Not even a ball. Anything vaguely round will do. A loaf of bread. A crumpled bag. The head of a goat. We're the crazy ones. We call football football when you hardly ever use your feet. We should call American football big league brain damage or concussions for all. That's why Americans hate soccer. No violence. Actually, there's plenty of violence, but it's all in the stands. Soccer players live healthy lives into their 80s, but their fans rarely make it to 40. Don't believe me? Go see the Birmingham Trifles take on the Sheffield Crumpets. There's a good chance a fan will bite your nose off. During a soccer game, fans go nuts anytime anyone kicks the ball. There's this perpetual hope that maybe someone's going to actually score a goal. But of course, they never do. Goals in soccer are like laughs in a Kevin Smith comedy. There's maybe three in 90 minutes. The first and last soccer game I ever saw was the World Cup Finals in Moscow. French fans came out to cheer the French team, which had virtually no French players. Most of them are from the Congo. They took on the feisty underdogs of Croatia. And like all underdogs outside of sports movies, Croatia got their asses kicked. As the game ended, the clouds opened up. All the players, French President Emmanuel Macron and Croatian President, I don't feel like Googling his name, stood in the pouring rain getting drenched. This being Russia, there was only one umbrella and Vladimir Putin got it. I'm going out on a limb here, but that is not a nice man. Soccer may be dull, but to me it plays like Grand Theft Auto compared to tennis. Call me crazy if you like. You are crazy. Shut up, Kevin. It's Trevor. My name is Trevor. Lots of sports are considered boring, but tennis beats them all. In golf, you go from hole to hole, and everyone is different. In bowling, there's noise and beer and chicken wings. You can watch curling for hours and still wonder if Canada's pulling a prank on the world. And snooker? Well, I don't know what the hell snooker is. But tennis is just one thing over and over. Two guys hit a ball back and forth until one of them misses. That's it. You could fit the rules into a fortune cookie. No other sport is that simple. The only games that come close are horseshoes, tag, and the game that promises so much more than it delivers, cornhole. Tennis is so repetitive, 
that physicists use it to prove that time is nonlinear. I'm not making this up. Scientists say if you take film of any tennis match, chop it up, and reassemble the bits in random order, it still looks like a tennis match. Play the film backwards, still looks like tennis. I had this sense of being in a time loop as we sat in the stands at Wimbledon. Once again, I'd pop for the second worst seats in the house. The sun beat down on us mercilessly because in 145 years of Wimbledon, they never figured out a way to shade the spectators. I wavered between sunstroke and boredom as I watched the tennis match between two superstars. I'm sure you know these names, Marin Cilic and Sam Query. My wife was transfixed. I whined like a puppy at the vet. All right, she said. We'll leave as soon as this is over. The match seemed to drag on for five hours. Because it did. I was sitting through what became the third longest match in Wimbledon history. Five hours, 31 minutes. And the winner was? Who cares? He lost his next match and was never heard from again. And here's the scary part. There's still a big world of boring sports Denise wants to drag me to. Dressage. America's Cup. Test cricket finals matches. What does that even mean? Fans of this podcast, if we had any, may be asking the question I'm always asking my wife. How can we afford this? The answer is, we don't waste our money on silly luxuries like speedboats, or children. As I record this, I'm wearing a thrift shop shirt and pants I got from the 99 cent store. Yes, they sell pants. You just have to look hard. On my feet, I'm wearing the free socks they give you on airplanes and my dead mother-in-law's sneakers. God help me, I'm not making any of that up. I dress like a third world scarecrow. What is wrong with me? Like I said, You're a cheap bastard. Screw you, Trevor. You got my name right. Thank you, Mr. Rice. Not Rice, Reese. What Am I Doing Here was written and performed by Mike Rice. It's pronounced Reese. And produced by me, Josh Perillo. Featuring Denise Rice. Denise Reese. As herself. Additional voices by Trevor Morris, Mike's Funny Doorman.